Friends, in our gospel reading this morning, we journey with Jesus to Jerusalem, the place we know that he will be betrayed and crucified. But first, we welcome him in with shouts of Hosanna. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 21st chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the first verse. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter Zion, you look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Biblical scholars Marcus Borg and John Dominic Croson wrote a book that I just love entitled The Last Week, What the Gospels Really Teach. They claim that on a spring day in the year 30, there were two processions that entered the holy city of Jerusalem. From the east, a parade of peasants welcomed in Jesus of Nazareth a rabbi who had come to proclaim God's kingdom. Now imagine a parade of poor folks crowding around to see a Jewish man come into the city on a colt and a donkey. In awe, the crowd around him dropped their cloaks. They they grabbed branches of any kind they can find, palms or whatever, to drop on the road to make a path for this prophet of God to enter. The other parade, from the west, was a military procession. As Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, the Roman governor, that is, of Judea and Samaria, returned to Jerusalem with a full entourage of imperial cavalry and foot soldiers. This procession showed the full power of the empire. Pilate and his crew had come up from his permanent home of Caesarea by the sea, some 60 miles or so from Jerusalem. It was customary for Roman officials to be present during Jewish celebrations, not out of reverence, but rather to snuff out any whisper of revolt. So, as Borg and Croson said, there were two processions on that spring day in Jerusalem. One proclaimed the power of the empire, and the other proclaimed the power of God. One instilled fear, while the other sought to restore hope. One celebrated war, while the other called for peace. 
to these two scholars, these processions illustrate the tension that starts on this day and builds leading to Jesus' crucifixion and death. There's tension. Palm Sunday is a day of tension for the church. I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of us pastors have trouble knowing what to do with Palm Sunday. We enjoy the Palm Processional, celebrating Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, but after that we find ourselves at a loss for words. Beyond the fact that most of us American preachers do not grow somewhere where these palm leaves grow naturally around us, the bigger issue seems to be what else is there to say? Jesus arrives, and soon we know he'll be betrayed, arrested, crucified, will die. And we know how the story ends, that he'll rise from the grave. It's hard to know what kind of emotion to convey on Palm Sunday. I'm reminded of a story that an Episcopal priest named Fleming Rutledge said about a particular Palm Sunday service. Before she processed into the the sanctuary with palms and all, the young acolyte turned to her and asked, how am I supposed to be feeling today? To be sure, there's there's tension present today in the text and in this day in the church. Jill Duffield, editor of the Presbyterian Outlook, reminded me that this week, in this most uncertain, crazy time we find ourselves in, the tension we find is the fact that so much of Palm Sunday is about a crowd. In this time of social distancing and shelter in place, hearing the story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem to a crowd of people shouting, Hosanna, is just a reminder, it's just another reminder that we're not able to currently gather together physically to worship. I'm truly sad that we couldn't begin our service this morning with our children waving palm branches. Sorry, you're stuck with me waving this. I'm sad that we won't be together on Easter to respond in joyful unison together. He is risen. He is risen indeed. The parade and crowd from this text on a deeper level, though, also reminds us of every other gathering and crowd we'll miss in the coming days. Our seniors not being able to have a prom or perhaps even a commencement to celebrate all of their hard work and celebrate the relationships that have formed over these years. Sporting events that provide a necessary social outlet all have been canceled or postponed. Social gatherings with friends and families Um, this week, as I reflect on the Palm Sunday story, its parade and crowd, its its pomp and circumstance, we, we just can't help but lament and mourn. In this tension in our collective lament, from our own living rooms and screens, we join the crowd in the same shout, Hosanna which in Aramaic, Jesus' own language, means save us. And it's into these shouts of Hosanna from the crowd back then and from us, from our living rooms today, that Jesus comes parading in on a donkey and a colt. 
Jesus enters the holy city of Jerusalem knowing that this is the place where he will meet betrayal, death, and resurrection. And Jesus today enters our lives, our living rooms, through our isolated screens to answer our cries with those from so long ago. Hosanna, save us. The story begins with Jesus asking his disciples to procure a donkey and a colt. Now, it kind of seems like an odd picture to to picture Jesus riding on two obscure animals, but Matthew shows us that all this is to fulfill a prophecy from Zechariah so long ago, one that the people crying Hosanna surely would know well. But for our listeners who are not as familiar with the prophets, he provides it for us in verse 5. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This king will cut off the chariot and the war horse, and the battle bow shall be cut off. At this peasant king who humbly processes into Jerusalem on a donkey will abolish violence and war from the holy city, and he shall command the peace to the nations. He will not do so by the sword, as is usually how power is won, Rather, he'll do so by acts of humility and peace. This is the tension, the turmoil that the city feels upon Jesus' arrival, and soon these two competing forces will clash. To me, Palm Sunday is a reminder of what the prophet Zechariah said so long ago. Look, your king is coming to you. This phrase was in the minds of the peasants gathered on that spring day at the west city gates of Jerusalem to lay down their palms and cloaks. But this story reminds us of Zechariah's hope each year on Sunday. And friends, it's a hope we very much need today. Matthew tells us in the gospel lesson that at the time of Jesus' arrival, Jerusalem was a city in turmoil. This word in Greek means not just turmoil, but quite literally means for the earth to shake. It's the same word that will be used to describe the earthquakes following Jesus' death in Matthew, just a few chapters ahead. And it's also the word that describes how Mary feels as she approaches the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. Matthew is very intentional about this word. It seems to me that this word choice of Matthew both foreshadows the events to come as well as describe the atmosphere of the city, the desperation of the city, hoping that their prayer of Hosanna will be answered. The people gathered to welcome Jesus in are hungering for a king, for a leader who will free them from Rome's oppressive hold on their lives. They cry out, Hosanna! which, remember, means save us. So look, Warrington Church, as we approach this holy week, look, your king is coming to you. Our world of uncertainty, fear, and despair will be transformed by the Prince of Peace. So let's celebrate his arrival. Let's shout Hosanna even from our own homes and screens. Let's shout Hosanna with the crowds, knowing that later this week we'll stand at the foot of the cross and Sunday 
at the door of the empty tomb. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.